Today I'm talking to Dom Hodgson, the pet biz whiz, and uh, Dom has written more books on dogs and pet business than I can possibly list. He's a pet business coach and one that has helped me tremendously. I'm an elite member of Dom's Inner Circle. He's helped me a lot with uh, my business and he's someone that I have really believe in as a pet business coach. And that's why I wanted to do a po- another podcast today with Dom so that some more people can discover him and you can kind of learn some of the things that uh, Dom has to offer, which can really help turn your business around. So let's get started. Hey Dom, welcome to the show. Thank you, Nick. Really delighted to be here. Uh, You nicely massaged my ego uh, just before we started recording by telling me that this is the second most appearances anyone has had on the show. So yeah, wow. You know, you know Dom, you don't need to say much to me to make me happy. And uh, yeah, so I I hope I deliver today anyway, so I get invited back again sometime in the future. But no, it's really fabulous to be here talking to you. Yeah, well, we've known each other for a long time now, and I've always really enjoyed your content. and. I recommend you to people a lot, um, although I try to maybe be careful with my recommendations because I know, obviously, and it's part of your push-pull marketing, is some people are just not really going to be a good fit for you. But some people, it's just, it's just fantastic. And I always thought your information is amazing. It's just, obviously, some people, you know what it's like now, social media, like, um, what's the word, like the culture, you know, of people oftentimes, especially in the dog training world, people are looking for things to be offended by. So, uh, you know, someone like you, uh, you know, you you get lots of that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, and and like you say, it's part of the it's part of my strategy, really, I guess. You know, I was going to say it's part of my shtick, but it's more than that, really. It's part of the strategy. Uh, if you if you're another another word that's bandied around a lot these days, if you are authentic, you know, <laughs> I mean, like really authentic, you know, if you speak to. Uh, Nick Benja on a podcast the same way as you would speak to a private client, which should be a pretty similar way that you would speak to, you know, an aunt or an uncle or whoever else, then you're being authentic, you know, you're being yourself. And and if that annoys some people, well, far better to get that out of the way at the beginning when they're just maybe consuming some of your content or when they're getting a, a recommendation or a referral from you from a friend uh than when they've come right into your world so yeah that's always been a big part of my strategy uh i find it very easy to do that (laughs) uh lean into it quite a bit sometimes as well uh like you say you know it it offends some of the snowflakes but that that's totally fine because these people you know they were never going to be a very good fit for me they were probably never going to pay me any money anyway so yeah it's better that i just you know bring into my world the people who are who are going to be a good fit, who I'm going to enjoy working with, who are going to enjoy working with me, because then we all get the best results, don't we? The funny thing is, as well, I see so many people doing that push-pull marketing, like creating controversy in order to get more attention on the social media pages or whatever, but none of them are honest about it. <laughs> Whereas you are actually honest about, hey, this is what I'm doing. Like, you know, but there's so many, I mean, how many facebook controversies do you see online and so many of them are i think quite manufactured you know people know what they're posting is going to get a reaction um, yeah so i'm sure totally, you see totally. that all the time yeah all the time and i think um i think you can tell when someone has a you know a genuine beef about something um 
which is great, you know, and even if it's somebody who maybe, you know, you don't really like, or, you know, you, you, you maybe you've had a run in yourself at the past, or, or, or maybe you detest them completely and you don't even understand why you're Facebook friends in the first place, but you see it and you think, you know what, well, good for you, you know, like that's, that's how you feel, you know, some things, some things annoyed you. Um, and yeah, you know, ha have your say, but yeah, at the same time as that, there's a lot of kind of, you know, you, I think what, um, <laughs> grinds my gears and just makes me want to throw the my my phone into the ocean is um you know when a when maybe a higher profile trainer will say something and then you get all the other like you know followers and acolytes and uh wannabes type of thing you know putting out a di more diluted version of that or you know do you mind if i share this these kind of comments <laughs> i mean like you know it's like uh yeah, they're, and it's a shame, you know, because I've found, like, I've worked with, you know, hundreds, near thousands of different pet professionals over the years, and almost everybody has a great personality inside of them somewhere. They might be a bit introverted, they might be a bit shy, uh, they might not particularly like, you know, sticking their head above the parapet and talking about their successes in 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 with their with the dogs that they're working with and the clients that they're working with and that's one, one of the things that we help them with you know is kind of uh boosting the confidence so yeah I, I try to i try to lead by example really with my guys and if you know I, I don't do anything that i wouldn't recommend anybody else to do uh to promote their business um yeah so yeah it's just, it's a bit like controversy of the week at the moment isn't it oh it particularly is at the moment yeah as we're recording this it has a million controversies <laughs> but uh it's funny you mentioned the like dilution stuff though because since we first met each other and obviously you've been doing the uh i don't know how many years you've been doing the coaching for now but quite a while right 2016 2017 yeah yeah good long while now yeah sure it seems like so it doesn't seem that long ago but it, it time just flies doesn't it but um since then i've personally i've seen a massive rise in the amount of business pet business coaches mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are because i when i came across your stuff dom there was hard i i can remember i can't think of another pet business coach like i but now it seems like they're all over the place yeah yeah for sure yeah um how do i feel about it i think i'm 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 kind of over it <laughs> like you know uh i think back in the day certainly because well let's go but you know let's tell a little bit of the story here you know i i i started my business and like I did lots of things right. You know, I was niched and I was premium and some of those things I did by mistake, <laughs> but I still did them and I learned from them. Um, and then like I, I had an online store, which was a total disaster. Uh, and that kind of forced me to go down a, a market and education. Um, so like I, I spent my money, you know, I, I bought courses, I paid my dues, I invested in mentors and, uh, I practiced, I did events, I did emails, <laughs> you know, you came to a couple of events, haven't you? And, and it's like all these different things that I did. And so that was kind of where it came from, where people were reaching out to me saying, hey, you know, how are you doing all this? Why did you write a book? You know, um, why, why have you started a podcast? Why, you know, and, and again, because of the personality that I put into the marketing, these people, a lot of these people would have ended up becoming clients of mine. I think now, I think you get a lot of, um, I think you get a lot of, uh, pet business coaches who they maybe they see it as like an, e an easier option, you know, than the thing that they're doing now. Maybe they have had some success. Maybe they have had some success in their business. Maybe they have had some success with a particular marketing channel. Um, you know, maybe they are 
I don't know, really good at Canva or really good at, um, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean, though? That's, that, you know, they, I'm not saying they don't have skills, but like, you know, they, whether that qualifies you to kind of advise someone what they should do with their business or not, I don't really know. Um, but I've certainly, certainly to, to, to sort of, to your point, um, I think over the last kind of year, 18 months, maybe it's because my circle's widened somewhat, I'm doing a lot more collaborative stuff, you know, with uh, a lot of the people who I kind of uh, respect, you know, and like maybe usually through the podcast, you know, through my own podcast, I've had them on and like, I've you know, I've asked them some questions and I've heard their story and I've thought, you know what, like, yeah, you know, you are, yeah, you know what you're talking about, you know, and then it's like, okay, how can we potentially develop this relationship further? Because, they've got things that they're good at and I've got things that I'm good at. And, you know, there's usually some kind of crossover. I'm doing a training this afternoon for someone in their own, uh, an American uh, lady uh, who has a successful membership and she's had different pet businesses and stuff. Uh, and I'm, I'm doing a training in her group this afternoon, you know, because it's uh, the pie's big enough, you know, the pie's big enough. Yeah. I think I've I kind of got off my high horse, a bit over the last couple of years i've chilled out a little bit nick you know we're both a little bit older we both got a couple of grays well definitely i've got a couple of grays peeking through um <laughs> they won't be too long for you coming um <laughs> but uh yeah it's um yeah I, i'm over it but yeah they're, they're everywhere they're everywhere right now and you know in a similar i guess the good analogy is you know you <laughs> you know would you take advice would you take dog advice dog training advice from someone like who maybe didn't have a very well-trained dog you know um or who maybe never even owned a dog you know or on by the same token but would you take business advice from somebody who has never done any of the sort of you know really um i'm not going to say difficult things but they're certainly more complex things uh in the business that are required to create a standout business like follow-up like premium pricing like upsells you know a lot of these people have never done any of these things so you know how can they teach them yeah that's a really good analogy as well because actually i hadn't put those two things together but that's something i've become really aware of over the last year or so is like really paying attention to who i'm listening to in the dog training world actually in terms of uh you know, like the Canine Paradigm podcast, uh, I know the guys over there, Glenn and Pat, they have a saying, which is like, cool story, bro, show me your dog. It's like, sh show me the, like, you know, it's it's all good talking the talk, but let's see what is actually behind that. Um, or let's see some results, or just see some like evidence of it. And that's something I've been like more hot on over the last year, because I feel like there's so many people that are like, are really good at telling stories but aren't necessarily like they don't really have any like evidence or there's like really nothing to back it up when you try and like yeah. dig, dig below it. So I'm really paying attention to that. And actually it's, a, it is the same thing with the, the pet business coach staff. I'm a little bit uh, cautious, I guess, of, of like uh, pet professionals becoming pet business coaches. And I'm not saying that they can't do it by any means, you know, obviously you can, you can really get your experience, but I guess, um, I really want to like if I was looking for a pet business coach, I really want to see someone that has like put the years in in the business side of things, like like really has experience with marketing and sales and that kind of stuff because um, that's what really matters, right? Like, I, and I I feel like I really learned that the hard way because when probably when I first met you, Dom, like I was like really broke and I was like really struggling and and then you kind tell of the story tell the story Nick this is a good story <laughs> <laughs> yeah I guess 
well, this is probably a good testimonial for you, Dom. Like, and I, I think a lot of people have been through this, but for me, like maybe like breaking point was coming back from an IMDT workshop, not being able to pay petrol, having to call like my family up, like send me some money. Can you send me some money so I can pay for this petrol? And like, just feeling like, oh, just feeling like such a loser, you know? And, um, and then like, through that then I was like okay now I really like I can't because of that time it was just like I just want to be the best dog trainer I can be and I didn't really care about like finances at all um and but but having to like ask people to send me money just felt so horrible and like it's just such a like humiliating moment that I was like okay I can't continue to ignore this and then I think that's probably around the same time I came across your stuff Dom and you really like opened that world up to me um and then after that you even like since then i've like you know obviously you you speak a lot about dan kennedy famous marketer like i've listened to loads of marketing podcasts read loads and loads of business books and actually if even though i wasn't this person when i when i first met you Dom, i actually kind of became quite interested in, in business as well like and i would read business books like kind of for fun as sound as sad as that sounds like i actually kind of like enjoyed it as well um but but that i guess has opened my eyes to like a little bit of skepticism in terms of like of of the pet professionals becoming pet business coaches. So I'm like, okay, I can, I know you're a really good dog trainer or I know you're a really good dog groomer or whatever, but like, do you know about lead generation? Do you know about this, 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 and this, or are you just starting this because maybe your dog grooming or your dog training business isn't going very well. And you like, I've seen that. I've seen companies do that, like where actually things aren't going very well for them. So it's like, okay, I'm going to try something different. And it's like, well, if you're not doing well in the industry, like maybe you shouldn't be the person coaching people on how to do well in the industry. (laughs) I mean, it sounds pretty obvious, doesn't it? When you say it like that, but uh, yeah, it's really surprising how much of it goes on. And all yeah, one trick ponies, to... Dom. The other very thing. much so. Very there's, much. There's also yeah. there's also the one trick pony thing, like where it's like, okay, Facebook ads has worked for me, and I'll just show you how to do this. And and there's like there's obviously value in that, but like really, I guess you need to know more than like it's the whole not having all your eggs in one basket thing. Like you mm. need to know a, multiple ways of generating leads and generating mm. money, right? Absolutely. If you want to have a safe and stable and successful business, 100% you do, you know, I mean, similar to what you're interested in what you say about um, opening, you know, your eyes to marketing and and I could tell that, you know, I could tell you were getting fired up with it because, you know, you, you asking smart questions and, you know, you taking action. And then when I saw you that like the next impact event and stuff, same again, you know, like asking more in-depth questions. So I can tell like you've, you've done some reading and obviously the way your, your career has gone on from then as well. Um, and I, I think it's necessary, <laughs> you know, I'm not saying you have to love it, but you have to, you have to accept that if you want to be successful, you know, no one's going to come along like in a job where you do have a, where you having a job and you do a really good job and someone's going to belong and say, great, you get promotion, you know? And in fact, that doesn't happen that often in an actual employment environment anyway, you know? Usually it's who you know, not what you know. And, you know, like you have to play the game and stuff. And it's the same with business, you know? If you think just because you're a fantastic dog walker or a fantastic dog trainer um, or a fantastic doggy take or whatever, you know, then you're going to you're gonna do very, very well like you're dreaming, you know, you might, and there are cases out there, people who have, you know, maybe it's their location that they were in 
I didn't have a lot of competition or something, you know. Maybe they were, I don't know, there could be a, a, a dozen different reasons, but usually the people who are consistently successful and they build, you know, real kind of wealth in their business, you know, and maybe create something they can sell or they create something, a business that transitions into another business, you know, so that they can take more time out or whatever. You know, these are these people are smart. They've studied all these kind of things that we just talked about. They've studied Dan Kennedy, you know, they've they've read books. They know about lead gen. And if you look at anybody, any of the kind of um, and I'm well out of the obviously the, the circle, you know, I am because I'm, I'm not in the dog trainer world really at all, apart from dealing with clients and stuff. But anybody who's doing really well, <laughs> they, 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 they know elements of this. The people who are doing the best, they probably have all of this down pat. They're probably niched. They probably have different levels to their business. They probably have a membership. They're probably sending out paper and ink. They're definitely doing lead gen and email and stuff, you know. Um, and yeah, that, that's like a litmus test for me, I think, Nick. You know, when you said you look behind to see the latest dog business guru of the month, you know, like what do they really know? Um, I, I have... My two sort of litmus tests are, uh, well, three, I guess, is one is like, did they have a, have they had any kind of success in their own business first? That's pretty important, you know? Second thing is like, are they, are they premium, you know? Or did they just grow through volume, you know? Did they, did they actually practice being premium? Because to me, that's like a fundamental. And then the third thing is, uh, are they doing any kind of lead gen, you know? Are they doing, and like, I so saw if someone says to me, like I'm, you know, I'm getting my website designed by whoever, you know, and I'll, so I'll go and check them out. And if I go on the, the website designer's website and like, there's no legion, there's no contact details getting taken or anything like that. Well, that, if they're not practicing it, I know they're not going to put it into their client's work. So like, that's a non-starter straight away, you know, like, I mean, I just, these are the people that I'm, I would actively avoid. I would encourage people to actively avoid as well. Yeah, it's interesting what you say there about like, I think there are a lot of people that are just kind of waiting for like some, I actually get it, Dom, and I don't know if you've had this, maybe not because you don't really have a dog training podcast, but I get a lot of like messages from people that like, like they try to pitch me to come on the podcast and and this is going to sound really brutal, but like I'm talking about people that they're not really actually doing anything unique. Like they're not, there's no like angle, you know, it's just like, hey, I'm a dog trainer, can I come on the podcast? It's like, I don't, I just, I think for some people, probably, and I, this is maybe going to sound big headed and I, I don't really don't mean it like that, but like, I think they see that I'm interviewing like really successful trainers. And in their mind, they're like, well, if I get on the podcast, I'll be a really successful, like, I'll be in that group, like, and I'll be an insider. And it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. And, um, you know, I, I've heard successful trainers say exactly what you said, where in terms of like, um oh don't worry about don't worry about all this marketing and business stuff like i didn't worry about it and look at me look at look where i've got in my career and it's like there's a massive survivorship bias there like the 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 truth is no one is is coming like no one is coming to get you you know like if you don't actually put yourself out there the phone is never gonna like no one is ever gonna like knock on the door or call the phone and say hey like you know here's a million pounds <laughs> it just doesn't happen like you like that's that's what's actually really sad and it i get like it really annoys me when i hear people say that because i really worry that there are people out there that will take that advice and they'll never get there like they'll fit they'll Plenty. they'll see uh 
yeah, they'll just think, okay, I'll just work on my dog training skills. And one day someone will show up and I'll get this big contract or I don't know, like, I don't know how they see it going. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just really sad because I know people that are like phenomenal dog trainers, like really good dog trainers, but no one knows who they are because they don't market mm-hmm. themselves. And by the way, if they, if that's what they want to do, like fair play, like, you know, they, they can get out of it what they want to get out of it. But if you, if you want to be, a big name in the industry. If you want to be financially successful as a dog trainer or as any other pet professional, you do have to pay attention to this unless you're going to be some like fluke, you know, unless you're going to just like, like sure there are examples of people that don't do a lot of marketing, but they are the minority. Like realistically, if you want to have a chance of being successful, you have to pay attention to this stuff. That's, that's how I see it. I agree, one hundred percent. Yeah, you're preaching to the converted here, brother. Um, yeah, they're <laughs> well. Well, no, you are. You know, I mean, they It's um, it's like you know, and and I've I've been through this with my business. So when like when I first started my dog adventure business, as it was back then, I like I said, I did a couple of things right. I presented my services being a little bit different to everybody else. So I was offering adventures instead of walks. First person to kind of do that, really back in the day and I was premium as well and I was only the reason I was premium was because I had worked for Imperial Tobacco who who saw we sold lots of different kinds of cigarettes and I knew that the stuff that was in the cheap boxes of cigarettes was very similar to the stuff that was in the expensive boxes you know but the profit margin on the difference was like extreme you know phenomenal and so it's all about the packaging. It's all about how you present yourself, you know? So I was like, well, I'm going to go in high and I'm going to go offer something different. And that was it. That was all, the only two things that I did really back in the day. I didn't know about, I didn't know about lead gen. I didn't know what it was. I didn't really know what premium pricing was really, you know, but I I kind of stumbled across and that was enough to like propel me, you know? And that meant that I never, I never dealt with crappy clients. You know, I never, uh, I never got people wanting to chip me for the price you know, and beat me down on price. I never got like tire kickers, you know, I got like lovely people who wanted to spend loads of money with me and who were a joy to work with, you know. Then I went into some Facebook groups when that started to become a thing. And, uh, you know, going into my first dog walking group and like person after person after person, just like bitching and moaning about their clients and this is bad and that's bad and these dogs are awful. And I was thinking like, what are, what are these guys doing? You know, like this, this is just like not my experience at all. So my point for the story is if you get those few things right, then, you know, you're setting yourself up for like a, a, a lifetime of, uh, well, your real successful journey potentially ahead of you, you know, and I'm not saying I've done everything right, Nick. I've made tons of mistakes, you know, and I still do. We drop the ball every now and again. Um, but because we have these fundamentals, right, it kind of, yeah, it just makes everything so much easier. Um, and what, what I was going to say as well, when uh, you talk about dog trainers particularly, you know, when I transitioned from walking to training, uh, I, I did my dues. I had a mentor, you know, I learned from what I consider to be some of the best trainers around, like at the time. Um, and then like, I went away and I wrote a book, <laughs> you know, and I wrote a book and it was, it wasn't a particularly technical dog training book by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but it was an entertaining, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and useful, very useful book, you know, and that set me up to, sell my first dog training in a circle, you know, online in a circle back in 2015, 2016, you know, way before Zoom and all this kind of thing was out. And 
Um, yeah, and what I was going to say about that is as well, last thing, uh, th- th- that kind of th- doing those things, that like propelled me, you know? To, I went from being like local nobody, really, to like, you know, big names. Who's this guy? Dom's written this book, blah, blah, blah. People who I'd never heard of, you know, who like, because I had done something different, you know, I had, I hadn't tried to create a, I hadn't really tried to copy anybody. I had what made me a big success, really, what kicked off my success was the fact that I'd learned how to communicate my personality in, in the marketing materials that I produced. We're kind of going full circle here, aren't we? What we talked about at the start, you know? So, um, yeah, lots of different things that people can learn. It doesn't need to be difficult either, you know? Don't, th- you know, a lot of people are afraid of marketing. You know, they're afraid of putting themselves out there. They're not very technical. You know, there are simple things you can do to elevate yourself above the competition and just get rewarded and, and recognized for the for the really great job that you're doing. Surely that's, you know, that's what everybody wants. Yeah, I really want to get into like the practical stuff because I think a lot of people, they don't even know where to start with this stuff. So obviously you've seen, um, you, you said in the beginning, you've seen hundreds, if not thousands of pet professionals, you've worked with them. What would you say are like the most common mistakes that people tend to make with their businesses? So the most common mistakes, and I'll the, the most common mistake, and I'll uh, we'll we'll name check Dan Kennedy again because this is this is a big Dan thing, and it's something that I talk about all the time, and it's something not only that I talk about, but that clients talk about when I say it, their their heads start nodding, you know, and there'll be people hopefully sit and listen to this who will start nodding their head now, saying, "Yep, I did that." The biggest mistake is people look around at whatever everybody else is doing (laughs) and they do exactly the same thing (laughs) they offer the same kind of services they name them the same kind of thing they do a similar kind of marketing which for most pet professionals is just resort to free putting out really weak messageless marketing on social media um and and they charge low prices they charge the same or they'll charge lower than their competition because they think they haven't got enough experience so that's that that's the biggest mistake, and that is the and that is the place that most people remain. Unfortunately, you know they might increase their prices once every three or four years. Uh, you know, they're it's like beans on toast every night. The dog might be eating venison and blueberries, but the 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 the, the business owner is eating beans on toast, and they're not Heinz either. I'm talking smart price, and it's like <laughs> well, it is, you know, and and and. Some people it's, oh, well, you know, I've got this, I'm out of that crappy job that I had before. I don't need to do that. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm doing my business. I'm just not making very much money, you know? And uh, it's, yeah, it, that's, that's, so that's the, that's the biggest thing. And the, the, the reason why that is so bad, if you do that, is because most of the people in your town aren't doing very well. <laughs> they might be giving it the big I am uh, on social media, um, they might have a lot of clients. They might be very, very, very busy. That doesn't mean to say they're making any money. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, I, you know, I've, I've coached people who have had, you know, many headed beasts of a business that has lots of clients, lots of staff, uh, lots of services, lots of headaches, <laughs> but very little left over for the for the business owner. So if you don't get this right at the start. You'll end up with tire kickers, time wasters, 
you know, chavs, people who kind of, you know, they'll drop you like a, a smelly poo bag as soon as they find someone cheaper. Um, but the really dangerous thing is when people start to scale up and build a business, expand a business that it really isn't making very much money. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's horrifying. On the flip side of that, then, uh, you know, what is, what are the most common, uh, like, action actionable things that you tell like when you start off with people like what are the things you find you're telling people to do straight off the bat the most frequently yeah so usually first one's to do with price you know usually there's some there's lots of things we can do with price <laughs> we can increase price we can add upsell all singing all dancing versions of what you currently offer um we can bundle services together um, we can sell more of the thing that you're selling it was one of the first things we did with you, wasn't it? We kind of switched to packages, didn't we? Back in, you know, way back in the day. Um, and that had it, that then, for, like, that makes cash flow happen then, doesn't it? You know, instead of kind of living hand to mouth, feast and famine, then you're like, oh, you know, I've got like, I've got a decent chunk of change in here, you know, and then like that kind of relaxes you a little bit to, you know, be a bit choosy about the next person that you take. Yeah, that's funny you um, say that. I kind of like forgotten about that. Like, it, like, uh, take that for granted now um i have given people that advice as well because like you see people selling that just doing individual sessions and it's like i think because people don't come from a business mindset they kind of like think well you know if they want to do more they'll book more and it's like no people just forget like they just forget and they just they're just doing something else it's not that they don't necessarily want to work with you they just they just don't you know they're getting on with their lives and the the other thing that i found really impactful in the beginning which is really simple is when i get to the end of the session saying hey should we book the next session or like having a conversation with them like it, for me it's never salesy like i'm not trying to hard sell anyone and actually that's one of the luxuries of having a good business is for example if i get an inquiry call i, I genuinely don't care if they book in or not <laughs> like i know that maybe sounds bad but like like I had someone text me yesterday, like, oh, we went with another dog trainer. And it's like, like okay, good luck. Like I, I yeah. really, I'm not going to like cry about that. Like I really don't care um, yeah. because we have enough leads coming in anyway. Um, but yeah, when I get to the end of the session, we can have a chat about packages or we can book in if they just wanted, I'd give them the option of like a more expensive individual session if that's what they want to do or whatever. Like, but we try to sort that out at the end. And by the way, if they don't want to again, like, fine, go away, have a chat, have a think about it or whatever. But but just giving people the option at the end, I think the majority of people will book the next session or they'll book a package and then they're kind of locked in with you. And you, like you said, you've got the you've got the money to work with. So yeah, that made a really big difference to me for me in the beginning as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's just often it's just remembering to do it, you know. <laughs> but why why wouldn't they want more? That's the way to look at it. A lot of people will say the same thing to me, you know. My clients don't want upsells. <laughs> My clients don't, you know, they they only want one session. Well, have you offered them two? You know, <laughs> have you have you even tried? Because I'm telling you now, if someone's gone through uh if you if you're as good as you say you are and you've helped the dog and you've helped the own and you've helped them bust through some really horrendous uh you know pain point that they've been struggling with for a very long time and you know in your heart of hearts that another session or another two or three sessions will be a good idea then you know why wouldn't you offer them it's, from a sales point of view they're all warm and fuzzy and they've got a result so that's the best time to offer it to them as well but from a from a professional point of view you know if you know 
that really, you know, yeah, you've had some success maybe in that session, but, you know, the behavior might need proof in other areas or whatever, you know, there might be other things that you need to do. Like to not offer that, you know, you, you, you're doing them a disservice really, aren't you? You know, you potentially, yeah, you're potentially driving them into the, the hands of your, your competitors who you're, you're slagging off behind their back. Yeah. This actually annoys me because so oftentimes with dog trainers, we, uh, we don't practice what we preach in terms of if you ask dog trainers, people will talk about, Hey, dog training is a lifestyle. You need to be continually dog training. You can't just do it for three weeks and then you're done. Um, and yet, people only offer puppy classes like how many businesses would just do puppy classes and won't do any other classes and it's like that's your what you're uh, saying and what you're doing are totally different things and actually it makes sense to marry up the business and the dog training side of things because they're both like they're both saying the same thing here and then you know you get to the end of puppy classes hey do you want to join us on our next class or whatever like you but that's where you can you can do upsells as well or for example like uh, what we do with our public classes now is we have like an equipment upsell as well, um, mm -hmm. which by the is like built into the website. So it's just automatically offered to them. Um, and obviously not everyone takes it, but some people are going to take it, which means that they then get, we know that they're going to have the right equipment when they turn up or they're going to have the right equipment that they need in order to train their puppy. And also obviously we're making some profit from that as well, um, which is like the most passive income because it's like, the upsell is there. Like I'm not having, I'm not even talking, I'm not talking to them or anything. It just happens. Like um, that's one of the things that actually is really nice about selling online. Obviously selling in person is really important as well. But like some of the stuff that's selling online is like uh, if you manage to get your website set up correctly, like a lot of that stuff can kind of start happening automatically. Um, like I, I, this is maybe getting a little bit into the weeds, but I really like Zapier. I don't know if you've played with Zapier. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Love Zapier. You can just you can just like automate so much stuff and just make things happen without having to do it. Um, e equally, equally, I'm I'm definitely a, a lazy person and I hate. Sometimes dog trainers talk to me about all the like admin they do and and I recognize my own weakness here. Like maybe I don't do enough admin, <laughs> but um, but some of the stuff that people do is like, why are you doing that? You know, like it's just absolutely mad. Like. A lot of it you can automate, and the other side of things are you sending these massive behavior reports, and no one reads. Like, why are you even doing? Like, it's just a waste of time, you know. And another thing that I realized, Dom, and this is something that a lot of people struggle with. Before I got uh, Onyx, my most recent copy, I didn't realize how burnt out I had become in terms of like, um, I and you know, I guess this is the reason I'm passionate about this because I I was that person that like I complain about now in terms of like we'll come home not train my dogs. Like I would never like go on webinars and like read books and stuff because I was fed up of it. Like, I was just fed up of like dog training because I was just burning myself out doing it all the time uh, with clients. And then you get home and you just don't want to think about it. And actually, I didn't really realize until I started I mean, got onyx and then i was like well now i have to train her and i got her because i wanted to get back into dog training and now i'm starting to get passionate about it again and i'm doing the webinars reading books you know going to workshops and stuff like that and enjoying dog training again and that made me realize wow i really burnt myself out previously and i'm just trying to encourage people not to do that because uh it's yeah it's not good i know maybe this is something you're a little less interested in don but like I think a lot of people 
a lot of the complaints that come about where, where dog trainers will complain about other dog trainers, hey, they don't post any training and videos or whatever. You like, you never can actually see their results or whatever. A lot of that comes about because I think, like, maybe this is crazy to say, majority of dog trainers I meet are burnt out. Like they, they get home, they don't train the dog. They, they maybe in the early stages when they're like a couple of years in, you know, they're like uh, they're still attending webinars and stuff. But mostly that comes about from lack of confidence. And then once you get a little bit further in, and you've just burnt, you just burn yourself out training dogs all the time, and you lose the passion for it. You go home, you don't train your own dog. You're not, you're not filming videos of training because you're not training outside of outside of work. Um, so I think this all kind of tied in with uh, getting burnt out, and oftentimes because of the lack of business knowledge. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it's particularly hard. I mean, I have a lot of experience in a lot of industries outside of the, you know, the pet industry, but I think it's particularly hard for dog trainers because there's like a lot of blurry lines between this is my passion and this is my job, you know? And I think certainly for, because even, you know, you can be passionate about dog walking or you can be passionate about doggy daycare and grooming and stuff, but ultimately you when you shut the door or you know when you put the van away you're you're switched off somewhat aren't you you know even and a lot of these people are still very passionate about dogs obviously but i think the lines are particularly blurred between trainers and uh the trainer loving working with dogs and the trainer who needs to earn a, a crust from the business and their their business should be the vehicle for the life that they want to have you know and you do you know at some point you do have to smarten up and you do have to say like what you did back in the day, you know, when you the other incident with the petrol, you know, you didn't have enough money, and that was like a little the straw that broke the camel's back for you. I love and the way Northerners say petrol. <laughs> <laughs> the proper the proper way. Um, <laughs> um, but you <laughs> you throw me. Um, you, <laughs> you you know you, you need to yeah you, you need to like you need to have some smarts about you you know you need to if some people don't have that straw that breaks the camel's back moment um and so they do as you say they get into this rut of like we're doing the classes or we're doing the one-to-ones and then we're coming home knackered and like you know these things can be fixed <laughs> the longer the problem goes on the, the more difficult it is to fix well it's not any more difficult at all but there's more resistance because the dog the dog business owner thinks like, well, we've done it for this long now. We can't possibly change. We can't possibly charge higher prices. No one's interested in upsells. You know, I couldn't possibly offer something else. Um, and yeah, the people get stuck. People get stuck. I, I'm, I'm curious what your advice for like people that feel like they are burnout or they're, they're approaching burnout. Because for me, I think I found two ways of running a business which avoid burnout. So the first one, I, I, I used to be this person. I realized at a certain point that I was, I can't remember who told me it. It might've been Carrie Selwyn who does the canine Hooper stuff, but I, I was running my schedule where like, I would just let people book in whenever. So I would just end up working all the time because I never booked in days off. And then I realized that, hang on a minute, I could just consolidate my work. So maybe I do like three days, but I do like three sessions on that day or on each day or, or something like that, you know? And then combine that with premium pricing. So then you're like, okay, I'm going to work, like these are going to be my days off or whatever, and I can adjust my schedule and I consolidate the work over a smaller period of day, days and I have premium pricing so that I'm actually earning a living. That seems to be one way of setting up 
a business. And maybe that would be more like, you might want to like call that like the behaviorist model or something like that. You know, like people that may maybe doing once once, although I guess you could do it with classes. I just never really went down that road. And then there's what I do now, which is we built a business where we employ people and we've run a lot of classes and so we're doing it at a bigger scale, which means that me personally, I don't have to do a lot of um, the training myself because we have trainers that work for us that run a lot of the classes, mm-hmm. which means that I can kind of have a lot more flexibility. I'm probably more involved now in like running the business. Like I do teach classes. I think mm-hmm. one day a week I teach classes at the moment. Um, and uh until I wasn't doing any ones once until recently, um, but we just had our behaviorist leave. So now I'm doing ones ones again. Um, but yeah, so that seems for me, that seems to be the two business like models, if you want to call it, that I've seen success with personally. I mean, you've probably seen different ways of doing it even more. But like, what what would your, I don't know, what would your strategies be for like avoiding burnout? I think, um, I think, I think, you know, Really deciding what you want, you know, how you kind of touched upon it there. Like, what else is important to you, you know? Because a lot of dog trainers do, their, their dog is their main passion, you know, but a lot of dog trainers obviously have kids and stuff too, and partners and uh, other things going on in their life as well. And often we can get lost in the business and these things become secondary, you know, or we don't have time for these things and, you know, it can lead to all kinds of bad things happening, you know, bad things for your kids, marriage breakups, you know, um, ill health, um, all these different kinds of things. So I think deciding what you want and, you know, booking these things in your diary, as you described earlier, that, that's like, that's like the kids, one of the things that I, one of the exercises we do with our guys, with my guys, you know, especially with my coaching clients, my private coaching clients, it, the first conversation we have is like, okay, you know, what do you want? <laughs> you know, what do you, what do you want the business to look like? Yeah. What, what do you, what, what do you hate? <laughs> what do you hate about it? So you can tell, you can tell Uncle Dom, what do you hate? What do you not like? You know, what do you love? What are the things you find really frustrating? What are you spending time doing that you, that you really don't like doing anymore? You make a list of these things, you know, oh, well, I hate this. I hate that i hate the other uh, i love doing this okay brilliant well let's uh, no and then usually when you look it's like well guess what that's where you're making most of your money anyway so why don't we just build a business around that um and i think people take on too many things you know they try and do too many things uh it's the dog training world is well it's ever expanding <laughs> you know with like ideas and, and sports and all these different kinds of things and uh and that's fine to it's fine to switch lanes, you know, and and go from one thing to another and one specialization to another. Um, but I think I think people generally, yeah, they just take too much on. They don't emphasize and prioritize time for the things that that are really important to them, you know, their family, their health, <laughs> you know, learning times or whatever, whatever it is, you know, we all have different things that we enjoy doing. Um, make time for that. Put that time in your diary. And then, yeah, build a work around that. And if you have a mark, if you, <laughs> this is the thing about marketing, because a lot of people might be listening to that now saying, oh, well, that's all right for you. You know, like you've, you've done all these other things, you know, or that's all right for Nick. Like, well, well, no, once upon a time, Nick's already said, you know, he was that person. Um, and maybe even quite recently, even, you know, maybe forgot what was important and, you know, and, you know, I'm not putting yeah. words in your mouth, but like, this is what, you know, we all do that. And talking about, I'm not, I don't think people shouldn't work either. Like you should work, you know, you should enjoy your work. You should work hard, you know, but not all the time. Where I'm going through like a period of time at the moment where like I'm mega busy, you know, we're just um, 
we just done an event, we just launched a product, I'm going to the States at the end of the month, I'm going four weeks later. Like I'm 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 busy, you know, but I ain't doing very much in December and January after that. <laughs> because, you know, I've got a and it's today even, you know, we've been busy this morning. I'm doing this with you. I've got this training this afternoon, but we're gonna have an hour in the garden, me and Beth, and eat some cheese and you know, chill out a little bit. Um whatever yeah, you gotta try you can build a business around your life that you want if you're good at marketing, if you're charging the right prices, if you have a customer journey that extends the lifetime value of a client, if you have systems in place for upsells, for follow-up systems, all these different kinds of things. The, the, you know, the, what you said earlier about, uh, uh, you know, when you get to an end of a class and you or you get to an end of a session, you remember to say like, you know, shall we book another one? You know, or when would you like your, your next class booked? Like that's a system, <laughs> you know, uh, it's a, it's a, you know, if, if we, maybe if we had a, um, we could make it a bit more fancy. We could have email follow-up that does I the do same that as thing. well. Yeah. I was just thinking yeah, that when you go. said that. There we yeah. go. See, so we, we've built into the, we've built into the, the system, other follow-up channels in case you forget to say it, you know, or in case you have to finish early or, or whatever, you know, because you know, the more you ask people, the more they'll buy from you, you know. So yeah, if you have all, if you have these things in place, then it's 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 possible to build any kind of business around the life that you want. Certainly, dog training business as well. A couple of examples for you. I've got a I've got a um, a girl who's transitioned from uh, walking to training. Harriet, actually, you may remember Harriet from back in the PBIC days. Um, but she does a lot of puppy stuff now, teenage uh, gun doggy type stuff. Um, she transitioned from training to walk into training, uh, built up the business there. She's moved in the last year or so to a different part of the country, booming already, <laughs> you know, because she's just gone into this new place with an identity, with the niche, with, with some systems, you know, for, for marketing the business offline and online. And I like, she's killing it, you know, and the reason why I mentioned her was she does classes, um, I think she does classes like when it suits her, you know, so she's got a, a young daughter and like she does classes traditionally when I think I, I can't remember whether they're daytime. I think they're daytime classes. Like the classes happen on like a Wednesday, you know, morning or afternoon or something like that, you know, which is not very traditional. And most people would say, well, people in my town won't come to classes then. Well, they will if you present yourself properly and you market yourself properly. You know, so being good at marketing enables you to build a business around the kind of life that you want to have. Um, yeah, very quickly as well. Another one, we've got another um, Hannah Antrobus, just been spent two days with Hannah. We've had our elite mastermind meeting up in the Northeast and um, I, we've helped Hannah over the years. She's niched down. She's got this love of Spaniels. Um, you know, she's got this, she's got a couple of Spaniels of her own. She's built up this reputation as a Spaniel trainer. She had a Facebook group that was full of Spaniel people. So we just went whole hog with the Spaniel stuff, you know? She's doing, she's got a Spaniel lead magnet. She's got Spaniel blogs on her website. She's got a Spaniel inner circle now, you know, where she's got Spaniel owners from all over the world, the UK, all over the world, Europe, Australia, different places. They all tune in to hear what Hannah's got to say about Spaniels. And she still does one-to-ones as well, but she's got this like business model now where, you know, half the income comes from the face-to-face stuff. Half the income comes from a highly leveraged way of teaching. Um, and she's done that. I mean, she she launched the membership. <laughs> I had to push her into it, <laughs> but she's never regretted it. Um, and like, but you know, just get you're getting 
get, get good at marketing, get good at marketing, you know, get someone to help you. It doesn't have to be me. It could be anybody. Uh, but that will, that will enable you to build a business around the kind of life that you want to have. I want to give you a little bit of pushback, Dom, actually, on this on oh, this subject a little bit. And this is not a um, diss to the people you mentioned, because I know both of them and I like them and they're lovely people. But just generally talking about niching, one, I think this has become a very, like, this has become quite trendy and and, and rightly so, because it is really important with uh, growing businesses. And now we see a lot of dog trainers niching. And I think, like most things, there's good and bad. And one of the problems that can be quite frustrating and, and and I don't want to sound like I'm gatekeeping but with a lot of newbie trainers because they're so conscious of this niching thing you know they've been training for six months and then they're presenting themselves as the gun dog expert the gun dog one is actually like a really nice example because it comes up a lot and maybe and and this has happened this happens a lot people presenting themselves as like a gun dog expert have never trained a gun dog. They've never, never been involved in the gun dog world. Like they just like spaniels or, or they like Labradors or whatever. Um, same thing would be like, I don't really see this so often, but like if someone was presenting themselves as like the, uh, the German, well, maybe not German shepherd, like they present themselves as like the Malinois expert, mm. but has, <laughs> but have never been involved in any bike sports, never like actually like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's an element of uh, what's that word? Uh, having skin in the game. Like, don't you don't you need to have some skin in the game a little bit before you niche? Like, shouldn't you? I don't know. Like, I know people. I understand you need to make money. I totally get it. And and if you have a niche in mind, actually, that's really really good because it means you can focus your learning. Like, for example, if you say I want to become the gun dog expert, so I'm going to train a load of gun dog stuff. I'm going to read all the books. I'm going to like, I'm going to devote some time to like getting really good at this. Like, I think that's smart. But when you see people coming out of just having done their qualification and they're hitting a niche without actually having like put, having any skin in the game without having like done the hustle. Sometimes it's a little bit like, it's a little aversive to use dog training term to, to people that genuinely are gun dog experts. So I've been, I've been doing this for 10 years. This person has been doing it for a week. They've never trained a gun dog like uh, 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 like done the gundog sport, done any gundog stuff, and yet they're presenting themselves as a gundog expert. Can, can you see what I'm saying? Like, it's a little bit... Yeah, yeah, I can. I think, I think. Um, I mean, like, you know, you see a lot more trainers in that sense than, like, what I do. Well, you see a lot more trainers than I do anyway, you know? And, like, most of the people who come into my world... They've they've got they've got some skin in the game, you know. They've um, even if they're new ish, they've still got skin in the game. Maybe they've worked with a certain type of breed for a very long time, or they've worked on a certain type of behavior for a very long time, um, or maybe they haven't even worked with on a certain um, you know behavior for a particular long amount of time. But they've had a, a lot of success in the amount of time that they've been doing it. You know, like to me, that's skin in the game. Somebody who's been doing it a week or a month or whatever, definitely. You know, like I mean, you know, do do yourself a favor. You know, like and I think ultimately those people will come unstuck because much like the pet business coach thing that we talked about earlier, it's the same thing. It's exactly, it's the, same, exactly the, same thing. the same thing, buddy. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you have to have some skin in the game. However, I, I would. Uh, so I'm not disputing anything what you're saying there. I'm 100% agreeing with you. And I've had I've had people come into my world who've said 
um, you know, this is what I this is what I like or this is what I want to do. And I've said to them, well, and that's the case, then from what you've told me, you don't have a lot of experience in that area yet. I would actually go away and practice with this person or whoever for six months or three months and then, you know, see, see where you're at, at at the end of that. That To be fair, that hasn't happened that often because most of the people who sort of find their way to me, they're they've got the chops they've got the skin in the game they've got everything else they just they haven't leaned into it you know they haven't they haven't told the world that or even the people in their town that they've they've got this like superpower you know that they've got this specialized skill um but niche you know so if we agree with you 100% about the the kind of examples that you've given there however niching and then specializing it's a fantastic way to differentiate yourself from what everybody else is doing. Um, and usually, you know, you can differentiate, you can specialize a niche by, by breed, um, by type of dog, by behavior. You can specialize by the type of clients that you want to deal with too, you know, or, or, the, or the type of relationship that the client has with the dog, you know, lots of different ways that you can, that you can niche. Um, I think and- if you, if you do niche though, Dom as well, like I think if let's say for example um, you're going to become the cockapoo expert or whatever, mm-hmm. like I, I think that's fine. Like niche, it's it's actually great. It's great to niche. It's really really good and it's really important. But but once you've decided it, like you need to marry the business and the dog training side of things. Like once you've decided it from a business perspective, you should go like you should go home and do the dog training side of things in terms of. Like you should really commit yourself to, to to becoming the expert that you proclaim yourself to be. Like like really going deep on that subject. I think so to do justice to it. I, I, that's just my thought. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, no, I'm I'm not disagreeing with you. <laughs> I think I, I'm, what what I'm saying is that the, the usually people when it comes. So one of the conversations that we have with any business owner is like, right, what, what are we going to do? You know, what, what can we do to grow the business? So I'll say, okay, like, wh- where does most of your money come from? You know, who, who pays you the most amount of money? Um, what services are they buying from you? Uh, what 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 do you really enjoy doing? Now, if I usually, if I ask those three or four questions, there'll be a commonality between those things. That will usually tell me what the niche is that the person is occupying already, but they just haven't told the world about it yet that's usually what happens very occasionally nick as you've just said you might get someone come and say you know uh you know i've i've owned a cockapoo for six months for three months or something and uh you know i want to do the cockapoo adventure club or whatever you know um but like I, i'm honestly i'm racking my brains i can't i'm just thinking that's of like fine, two or fine. three people um that that might have happened with you know um for the most part people are yeah, it's the other way around. People have this specialization, they have these skills, they have this reputation almost even, you know? It's not even like, it's just that they haven't talked about it, <laughs> you know? And and they present, because they made the same mistake as they always have done, they, they, they present themselves as being the same as everybody else, you know? So we're a dog trainer, we do this, 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 and this, all the same four or five common things. But actually, when you look at their numbers, you know, 90% of the money comes from this specialization that they've got, that they've spent a ton of money going on courses and reading books and doing all these things that you talked about before, um, but they just haven't really stepped into that space. What would you say is your niche, Tom? Good question. Good question. I think my niche is changing a little bit, actually, buddy. I like, um, I think my niche is, I'm more dealing with uh, like doggy daycare owners really now. 
Oh, interesting. That's... All right, guys, tune out. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that's not well. <laughs> no, I, I have a ton of dog trainers, tr- dog training clients, as you know. You know all of them. He's pulling your leg, folks. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I think it, more growing, and I'll tell you why I think that is in a second. Yeah, so it's, it's almost the opposite of niche. <laughs> but like, I have, I've always, I've, I've, because I've come from like a walking and training background a a vast majority of the people that i've coached over the years have been walkers and trainers i've also had a lot of groomers as well and also had a a, a more more daycares now the daycares growing i think purely because a lot of the daycares that i'm that i'm working with they tend to be bigger daycares maybe stateside and they offer lots of different things anyway you know it's not just about the daycare they do daycare they do boarding they do training you know they might offer grooming as well so i think that kind of because the breadth of experience that I've had dealing with different pet business owners, um, that is more useful for for these people. Kind of cross pollinating ideas across the different um, the different services that they offer. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is there one thing that you find to be generally more successful or more, well, just more successful? I guess like is there one like for example, you see daycare, you see grooming, you see training, you you see. Uh, all kinds of stuff really like is there one thing dog walking is another one isn't it like is there one like in terms of this is something maybe people don't want to talk about a lot but some businesses are are harder than others aren't they Mm -hmm. would you how would you rank those is there one thing that is maybe like like tends to generate more money tends to be easier than the rest or maybe there's one like for example dog walking i think it's quite hard business because because it, there's no barrier to entry. Anyone can set up as a dog walker. There's lots of competition. It tends to be quite a low price service. So I would actually say that's quite a hard business. How would you rank them? In in terms of what? Easiest so, to get into or, or in terms of, of difficulty? Most desirable plus, business? It, easy, yeah, easiest to... Oh, how can I put this? I'm thinking of like most profitable, I guess versus the amount of work that you have to do <laughs> or maybe just well, what what do you think yeah. good question give, give yeah. your thoughts well based, yeah based on what i've learned in the last maybe 18 months i would probably say kennels and boarding is the probably the most profitable because it requires the least amount of staff um then probably your your daycare training board and train you know big thing in the states obviously um less so here i think it will come more over here actually i do think so i think that's good yeah. i think that's a sleeping giant that is yeah absolutely yeah um and just waiting for somebody to step into the space really or for maybe staircase to start offering it you know as part of their expansion plans and stuff um yeah and then you know what would be next i want to maybe walking grooming grooming walking but at the same time as that nick that comes with the caveat of like if if and then I'm not just, obviously I'm saying this because I'm a marketing guy, you know. <laughs> but like I've I've seen people make a ton of money, you know, in like not very affluent areas, you know, where there's like masses of competition. <laughs> um, in 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 all of these things, you know. Uh, I think you you think about the so from the from a it's good that we're kicking this around. I like this. Uh, so, like I said, the kennels really and the boarding from that's from a from a staffing point of view, you know. So they need like less staff, and obviously staffing costs have gone up a lot, haven't they? <laughs> For everybody, you know, um, both sides of the Atlantic. Um, and then with the other, I guess the daycares, they have the opportunity to offer lots more different things. 
because they've got the space, you know, they put they may do puppy classes, they may have a groom room, they may, you know, so there's a lot more opportunity to cross sell between the different uh the different services, you know, if everything's kind of under one roof. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, I mean, I'm an, I'm an example of someone who did very well with a in a not particularly affluent area of the country, you know, um, charging like really high prices, offering something different. Um, yeah, I think, you know, if you, if you get your marketing, if you get your marketing chops, if you've got, and, and this is why a lot of people are like, there's one of the big sort of threats, if you like, to, I guess, established businesses now. And this is very prevalent in the States. And this, this will happen more over here too, as, as people get bigger. It's not it's not like the competition you need to worry about. You know, it's not necessarily the um, like, you know, you don't need or you, a daycare doesn't need to worry about like another daycare opening or, you know, another couple of smaller ones opening. It's like corporate people who are coming in, you know, who have marketing knowledge, who have systems knowledge and they're bringing all these things to the table. Like for example, like Pets at Home have created the green room, haven't they? Mm, is yeah, that what you're yeah. kind of getting at? Like, and this yeah, is in well, the UK, that, obviously. Yeah, in the UK, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But then, but then, like stateside, you get a lot of people entering the space who they don't have any pet knowledge at all, really. You know, they might own a dog, but they don't have any pet knowledge. But that's not a problem because they just do what they would do when they buy any other kind of business or launch any other kind of business. They bring experts in, <laughs> you know, who can do all those kind of things. So, um, yeah, I think as the, hey, great, this is a great business to be in, Nick. You know, it's obviously apart from the fact that we're working with dogs and, you know, we're getting to help dogs and their owners. Fantastic to be in. I wouldn't say it's recession proof, but it's certainly recession resilient. A lot more. Recession I, I, I think there are some things, though, Dom, that are um, difficult about this industry. There are challenges to it, like any industry, I guess. When you're talking about dog walking, you're talking about no barrier to entry. Well, the positive to it is very high customer value right like most people they tend to stick with a dog walker for a long period of time i guess the downside is like average transaction value right like people aren't generally spending huge amounts of money on dog walking services i guess like in terms of per walk mm. so there are challenges there right like with dog trainers dog trainers tend to have a problem with like regular income you know people come they do training they leave but that's that's a, that's a, that is a somewhat solve like there are things that you can do that help that certainly um but yeah i'm really curious about i've never ran a kennel or daycare board and train anything like that but i'm i'm curious i was just curious about uh like how they compare i guess it's one of those things you know the grass is always greener a little bit but like mm. um yeah, I'm just, I don't know, I was just kind of curious. Like, what, the other thing, Dom, is, like, sometimes you see people online doing what people online do <laughs> in terms of, like, uh, hey, this is, this is my uh, seven-figure pet business. And you're like, Jesus Christ, like, what the hell is this guy doing? Like, um, what, what, I don't know if you can say this, Dom, you don't have to, obviously, don't say the the person, but, like, is what, what, what been the high end of the businesses that you've, seen in the pet industry oh well m m now that i'm i've been working a lot more stateside with a lot of clients probably in the last 18 months um but i mean it, it's it's pretty limitless really i mean i'm speaking you know i have clients who are doing you know a good few million a year up to five i've got other people who up to up to five million yeah 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 that's crazy but, yeah yeah Do, doing um, what? well board and trains um daycares 
I just can't uh, understand how you can do the well, volume big, required. Well, they're big. They're big businesses, Nick. They have, you know, they might have 20, 30 staff on, you know, they're, they offer In a lot of In one location? Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Some of them have, some of them will have multiple locations. Nick, you obviously have to listen to my podcast very much lately. You need to go back and check out a few episodes. I used to listen to your <laughs> podcast religiously, Dom. It has been a little while, though. <laughs> well, you've had burnout. Maybe it's I, maybe it's I, contrib- <laughs> maybe it's, maybe it's I contributed to that. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's, it's you know, it, it, we're talking then like, you know, people doing tens of millions, you know, multiple locations. Once you, once people get something right. And what are these guys doing though? These, these, this is board and train stuff. Yeah, board and train stuff, franchise. Board and train is the nice thing about board and train, right? Is it tends to be quite high priced. Absolutely, yeah. The the challenge with board and train is most people can't do it. You know, most people don't have a facility. Yeah, yeah. Most people don't have a facility. And uh, a lot of us as dog trainers, we tend to own reactive dogs. Like we rescue dogs, we're trying to help dogs or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it means that we can't have dogs in our house. So it's, yeah, it's challenging to get into, isn't it? Is, Is there a way that you can kind of get like a taste of that. Like I know, for example, in America, day training is very popular. This idea of like dog trainer goes to their house and takes a dog out. Is Have you seen much success in like things like that, where maybe you don't have to have a facility or you can build up to having a facility? Like, uh, yeah. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I want well, my I mean, 5 million, it's... Dom. Like, how do I get my 5 million? Well, you get there, buddy. You get there. You are, you... <laughs> it, it comes from, it, you know, it's not a million miles. This is the interesting thing, Nick, okay? So when, okay. I, when, I, when I'm consulting with a, um, with a client, and it doesn't matter whether they're just starting out or they've been going a couple of years or they're a one-man band or they're a three-man band or a 30-man band or, you know, or they've got 20 franchises, they're, it's all similar kinds of problems, you know. They usually they're usually pretty good at the the dog stuff, the system stuff, but it's usually similar kinds of um, things that they're not doing right in the business. So they're missing pricing opportunities, they're missing upsells, they're not doing any follow up, they're not doing any lead gen. I'm mean, serious, you know. It's like a similar. I don't have like one book of spells that I use for a newbie, and then another book of spells that I use for someone really established who's been going 10, 15, 20 years, you know, and like they're, they're but this similar things. This is why I asked the question though, Don, because if I have a little dog walking business in any city in Bristol, my capacity to get to 5 million, to get to 10 million, it's, it's pretty extreme, right? Like that, that's probably, that's, that's a very high ceiling. Like really, realistically, my ceiling is going to be lower on that business unless I start doing franchising or something like that. And that's hard to get into versus with a board and train, maybe it's easier to get to that level. And by the way, like that might not be for everyone. Like a lot of people, I've met so many people, I would actually probably say the majority of dog trainers, they don't want to manage staff. They just want to. They they just want to be a successful behaviorist, or they want to run some classes and do well off of it, and that's totally cool. Like that's, I think that's probably the majority of people. But for the people that do want to take it far, like, is there any point pissing about with a dog walking business? Well, I'm never going to get into the millions. Well, 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 uh, yeah. Well, look, you're you're contradicting yourself slightly there because in one breath you're saying, like. You know, not everybody wants this, and and then other breath, you know, you're saying like, how do we get there? Well, you're right. Not everybody does want it, and I think again, this it comes back a little bit to like, what do you need to be happy? You know, um, like there are different levels of income. You know, there's struggling, there's getting by with a couple of luxuries. You know, there's 
you know, doing really well. And then there's like baller status, isn't there? You know, and I think most people are pretty happy to be somewhere between levels two and three. I know I certainly am, you know, like it's one of the reasons why I didn't particularly want to go and staff and expand my business. I didn't, I didn't want the staff. I didn't want the headaches of doing that. It wasn't right for me. You know, I knew I was going to hate it. So, uh, but what, to, to your point about, you know, could someone just do this with a dog walking business? Well, I mean, you're looking at someone who pretty much did it with a dog walking business. Um, you got you know, to seven figures with your dog. No, no, we didn't get to seven figures, but I, I made a real success of it. I mean, it's just, oh, yeah, yeah, you're totally, totally. success, you yeah. know, like, I mean, you know, we own our house, you know what I mean? Like we have, you know, we have holidays, we have this. It's fund. The business has funded all of the other things that I've, that I've wanted to do in the business as well, you know? And it's funding my kind no, of expansion no, I... at the states and stuff, you know. So it's, I think you, there are, I think anybody can go for, if you, if you really wanted to be the one who owned that, you know, one million or that five million facility, 100% you could get there. You know, you could go look for investors, you know, you could work in somewhere and then get in with them and buy the business from them, you know, or you could build up with a dog walking business and then add on something else add on a board and have a small daycare facility you know people do this all the time you know it's a bit a part of the business journey isn't it you know i mean look what you what you've got now you know when you were when you pulled over with no gas and you had to phone your mom to to help you to get home that time you know you've got on the journey that you've gone on to get to where you are now that's probably a lot of the steps in that journey you probably hadn't foreseen yeah, hundred percent, and I, I totally, I, I appreciate that most people don't want to get there. I guess, well, I'm just uh, curious for the people that do want to get, they do want to take it for, and, and I actually think most, even among the people that do think they want to go there, one of the things I've realized over the last five years, because I was probably that person, is, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this, Don, but I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm kind of derailing myself <laughs> is i i guess i realized from when i did the tv show i think i could be really happy with a lot less money than i thought i had to get you know still a lot of money like that i was earning doing the tv show stuff but like it wasn't like i wasn't like i want a millionaire you know no no um, not baller status yeah but i was really happy like I, well, there wasn't like i didn't feel like uh i needed more money like, I, yeah. you know, just like, you know, I never really, I don't know, that just wasn't, like, what do they say? Um, there's that famous statistic that goes around, like, once you get above a certain number, I can't remember what it is, like 75k, 80k a year, something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. People, mm-hmm. Genuine, like, happiness doesn't tend to increase beyond a certain point. And I, 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 I don't know, I found that to be somewhat true myself. Like, once I got to a certain point of income, like, I didn't, I didn't have the same hunger like to earn more money. And and actually I think sometimes I've held myself back a lot. And this is something I'm very conscious of because oftentimes I get to a certain point and then I take my foot off the pedal and like, and then I'll realize I'm doing it. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, mm. why are you stopping from like marketing, doing all this stuff? And it's because subconsciously, like I've got to that certain point and I'm just like, Oh, I don't have to worry about paying the bills. Like I just, like so I mean there's not the pressure and and I think for a lot of people and myself included it's like I'll only work when I have a deadline mm-hmm. you know and it's the same thing with the money where it's like I need the pressure or like I just I don't know I just stop doing the thing 
Um, which well, some, on that on that little point before you carry, some accountability would one hundred percent help. You know, I think not that I'm, I'm serious. You know, like we, you know, one of the things that has has drove me on has been has been a part of a mastermind. Has been you know where I've had a mentor and you know we've set in a target and then we check it in a month later, um, and the, otherwise. Yeah, you you do. You get in the comfort zone. There's nothing wrong with the comfort zone either. But, um, you know, we're, we're in a unique industry here, <laughs> um, you know, where everybody everybody really does have the opportunity to do like whatever they want or need to do. Um, yeah, you just, uh, just got to decide what you want. But let's just go into the uh, fantasy land for, for a moment. <laughs> for the people that do want to get to the to the crazy money, to the over seven figures kind of stuff. This is realistically and this is kind of a question failed as a statement like um realistically you need to be looking at board and trains you need to be looking at daycares right i would imagine like kennels you said well you know no i was i was i was saying those things from a i was saying them from a kind of a profit point of view you know that was what we were saying you know but like that's what i meant by that you need less staff for a kennel and I'm not saying you don't need any staff for anybody who has a kennel, but you know you need less staff, you know, because they just, you just do, you know. And so the the more, if you think about that as the model, where you've got so many people working there and so many dogs who are paying money, right down to the the groomer who's grooming one dog at a time type of thing, you know, you can see there, can't you? How that that's we see it now. Obviously, the grooming business can be scaled, you know, they can have more people working there as long as there's enough margin. Um, so, so the really the the answer is kind of if you take dogs out of the equation, even the answer is you've got to figure out a way to either get paid a tremendous amount of money for doing the job that you do, and this is where expert status and and niching and uh, position and all that type of thing comes in, or you have to figure out how to serve lots of people with your services, you know. And there's, ideally, a mixture of those two is is probably beneficial. There's a weird thing in this industry, Dom. I guess it's a probably a very British thing, although I don't see many Americans doing it either, where I think a lot of people don't want to talk about money. Like they don't want to talk about how much businesses turn over or whatever. And actually, um, like if you go and look into like freaking coffee shops or gyms or something like that, you can see a lot of these, like how much does the average coffee shop turn over? Like you can just look, you can look mm. that number up. And obviously there's going to be unicorns. Now there's going to be one business that is just like, you're going to be able to find those few businesses that are just like, blowing the numbers out of the water but the average coffee shop tends to make this much money right or, or whatever and I, I guess that's kind of what i'm trying to get at dom like is there um like in these like it has to be the case doesn't it where the daycares board and trains uh the kennels tend to make more money on average than the dog trainers dog groomers although i i don't know because i'm a i'm a um I've never been involved in dog grooming. I've heard on business podcasts, funnily enough, people use dog grooming as an example of a business that has a lot of potential. Great um, business. Although, fantastic if, business. All the dog groomers I know are miserable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's well, uh, it's kind of you funny. know it's got that recurring element to it. Anything that has a recurring element to it is uh, is a good business to be in, isn't it? You know, if you have a dog that needs walking every day, if you have a dog that needs grooming every four or five weeks you know if you have a dog that needs to go to daycare or has to be boarded when you go on holiday and things like that these are these are these have a recurrent element to them um and yeah dog trainers have to work that in but you know you can think 
thinking about the um the different ways to earn this money you know like you could if you think about it you could build up expand you know obviously you have to systemize and do processes and all that kind of thing it can be done with any any business <laughs> it can be done with a garage or a restaurant or whatever you know but it, it can be done with certainly done with a dog business too or this is something that i kind of teach a lot is you can you know, position yourself as kind of like a, a celebrity type person, you know, someone who was sought after. And that enables you to charge vastly different higher prices than your average um, member of your profession. What do you do, Dom, when, I mean, I think that's the go-to as well. I see a lot of pet businesses coaches talking about that, where it's like, hey, you need to become a celebrity. You need to be, you know, like you need to be on TikTok. You need to be on Instagram. Like you need to be posting loads of content and stuff like that. And it's like, I think there's a lot of people out there that are like, Oh, I don't want to do that. Like, I just, I, I don't want to be the, I don't want to be freaking making TikToks. Like, I don't know, it's just, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I want to be a business person. I want to run a business. I don't want to be like, you know, making TikToks about, you know, pulling on the lead, you know, um, or getting in freaking TikTok arguments with the South End dog trainer. It's like, no, no, thank you. You know, I would just rather be, uh, I, you know, like there's a lot of yeah. successful business people you've never heard of, you know, and the yeah. majority of them are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What are your, um, you know, is, do you think that's the only route to success? Like you have to. God, no, God, no, God, no, 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 no. It's a way to do it. Definitely. Um, but it's, it's just a marketing channel like any other, you know, you don't, you, you no know, more have to do that than you need to write. 12 page sales letters you know to, to i think you know. i think that puts people off marketing though i think there's a lot of mm. dog trainers and that think i don't want to be that person on social media like i just it just doesn't i don't feel comfortable in front of the camera and sure some people you know you start filming videos naturally you know it's actually not that bad but some mm. people were just like i just don't want to be that person like for me personally um i don't mind doing stuff on camera I've done stuff on camera for years now and never bothered me but um but with my training brand, I don't want to deliver all the training. Yeah. Which can can get a little tricky sometimes. Uh, it's not as so much of an issue anymore because I think we've kind of moved past that. But like sometimes if you're the face of the brand, it can be a little bit tricky then because then you can get tied into doing everything. And then that's where we talk about burnout and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is fine if you want to go with that behaviorist model I spoke about earlier, where it's like, hey, I'm just going to work three days a week. We're going to charge a mm-hmm. high price. Like, and yeah, but it's it's a little bit more of a challenge if you want to be the person that isn't running every single session. Yeah, for sure. But you can transition. I mean, you can. So, I mean, to your, to your original uh, question about the TikToks and stuff, you know, you don't need to do that. You don't need to be. Gary V, you know, and like on every single uh, platform, nothing against me either. I think some of the stuff's great, you know, and Alex Amosi and these people, do you know what I mean? You don't need to be on like every single platform killing it, you know, you really don't. Most people be better off not doing that, you know, in, in your local area, you know, you're probably better off, um, you know, putting out local content <laughs> that's going to appeal to your local people you're probably better off building relationships with people who can potentially send you clients you know if you're a trainer get in contact with your groomers and your vets and your other dog friendly places you know and and put stuff out there that way you know this is why i talk about like newsletters and emails and stuff because like, that stuff doesn't really require you to you know do the whole song and dance thing on uh, on social media um, so yeah, there are lots of ways, lots of ways that oh, I'm so glad uh, you, you said that. 
Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because I think that put I think that's what people associate with marketing. Mm. Uh, that's what they think of nowadays, and actually, it's not necessarily the case. Um, you know, and you're right. Like uh, doing this podcast, very few of my clients listen to the podcast. Like, mm. and I don't. In terms of new clients, I get from the podcast, it's very few. Like, most of the people that listen to the podcast are, are dog training people. Um, so, if I was just thinking about my local business. There is no reason to be doing this. As as you said, I would be much better off doing uh, the offline stuff or or even just doing localized ads and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah. What, what have you found to be, and maybe this is a hard question, Don, but you know what I'm like, <laughs> I like asking hard questions. Oh, what have you found to be the most successful marketing channel for uh, for dog trainers? Well, this is not really it's not really a cop out because because it, it does come in different areas, you know. Ultimately, the channel that connects with your ideal client is the best channel, isn't it? You know, you must but, notice some some like tendency though. Like earlier, I oh was no, asking, definitely, I'm coming on to that. Give me a second. Sure, even you must have realised I wasn't finished with that sentence. You better um, not be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know, well, Dan Kennedy would never forgive me, would he, if I if I if I said that there was one channel better than another? Because there's a it's the channel that connects with your ideal audience, isn't it? And to tie in with the social media stuff that we just talked about, a lot of a lot of people tend to think that are dog trainers, you know, because they spend a lot of time on social media in groups arguing about you know whether a lead or a harness or whether raw food or dry food is the best thing. They think that's where their clients are too, and they're not. Their clients have lives. You know, the clients are doing things. The clients have kids, they have jobs, they have other things going on. You know, they're not sitting on, they're not sitting in groups listening to, um, you know, watching TikToks and stuff. Some of them may be, but the vast majority probably aren't. So you've got to figure out a way to get in front of those people. And like I said, the, the easiest thing for anybody in any industry is to is to fish where the fishes are, is to look at where can I, where can I go? What's the best channel for me to get the eyes of my ideal client on my business. And usually that'll be with a, a non-competing, um, either pet or a pet-friendly business in your town, you know, because the pet shop in your town, the dog groomer in your town, the pet hydrotherapist or whatever, or the dog-friendly pub, these all these people have already rounded up people who could potentially be clients of yours. <laughs> so is it easier for you to go on a social media channel where you can be connected to 2 billion people <laughs> and your message has to try and filter through all those 2 billion people to find your ideal client? Or are you better off rocking up at a, a groomer's introducing yourself, um, you know, and offering to come and, you know, stand in a pet shop on a Saturday morning when it's busy and give free advice and hand out some cards and stuff, you know? This was, that was part of my success story, wasn't it? You know, back in the day, Pets at Home, you know? Did two days at Pets at Home giving out leaflets. Got a client the next week. Got a client a couple of months later from the same thing. That client ended up referring three other people collectively. They all they must have paid me over a quarter million pounds over the next 10 years, you know? But that just that came from me getting off my ass and going out and uh, meeting the people in my town who needed help, you know? And it's not, case, it, go on. Sorry. Oh, I felt like I cut you off then. You were about to say something. I was just going to say, if you'd asked me the day after I did that weekend, I would have probably said it was a disaster. I only got one client, <laughs> you know? But we think about lifetime client value and stuff. Anyway, carry on. 
Yeah, people don't realize that. That's I noticed mm. that a lot, and it's, that's especially true for dog walkers because the clients tend to stick with you. Mm. I've had it before where I've sometimes, oh man, it, I just the uh, level of short sightedness drives me crazy sometimes when I try to refer a client to a dog walker, and they turn them down for something really tiny, and it's like, dude, this dog, like, they will be with you for years, like it will, it will you will make thousands over the years from this client and the people don't realize it. Mm. So that's especially true. But okay. So in terms of like, I think we should talk about mostly about dog trainers, dog, because I think that's the majority yeah, of people that are going to listen to this. So as a dog trainer, what kind of collaborations would you look for with the local, uh, local other pet professionals? Like, give me an example. Like you mentioned that, so I can go stand in a store and I can uh, talk to talk, like offer, offer advice are there other things that you have found to be really successful? Yeah, for sure. You could do uh, you could do like a joint venture thing. You know, you could do a, an event together. You could you, you know, where you go, you know, you go in and you give a talk or something. You could do you could do you could even do something as basic as you see. What you have to remember is it's not just about that person. It's about the list that they've got. So they've got a list of clients already, and there's no competing here either. You know, it's not like you go to another dog trainer saying, "Can you give me a spare clients?" You go to a groomer. You know, and there's a there's a certain element of you know you have to build a relationship with this person. If you just walk into a pet shop and say like, "Hey, I'm a dog trainer. Can you send me some clients?" They're going to think you're an idiot, aren't they? You know. But if you go in and buy some stuff. And you, you know, you take him a coffee the next time you go and you get in a conversation, you act interested in the business, you know, he's not going to have anybody else to talk to or she's not going to have anybody else to talk to. Pretty soon you're going to be, you're going to be, you're going to be stumbling across opportunities to potentially work together. So they have, they have eyes on their business. They've built up a Facebook following. They've probably built up a, you know, an email list. Um, th that's the easiest way for you to get access to that is to, you might have to do some kind of an offer. You know, you might have to give some free information. You might have to put something together for them, you know, a tip sheet or something they can give away. You might want to contribute to a special puppy weekend that they've got on or something like that. Um, but eventually you'll get in there and they'll be happy to, you know, send an email to their clients, uh, let you do a post on their Facebook page. And this way you get direct access to the people who, um, who, who, could be, who will be, be potentially great clients of yours, you know, and that's without the kind of ad stuff that we, you know, that you can do as well. This is relationship building. This gets people talking about your business. This is interesting. So it sounds like the most important thing is to, to do the networking in the first place, and then the the collaborations tend to kind of happen quite naturally from there, I guess. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. You know, you one go... one, one frustration I've had with trying to do similar things is sometimes I feel like <clears throat> I talk to another local business, and I'm like pitching them on ideas or whatever, and I feel like because so many people don't have the marketing knowledge and and, and whatnot, um, anything outside of the like, oh, give me some business cards like it's just so alien to them that it's like yeah you know like if i was to say hey you know i'll do an email marketing campaign for you you do an email marketing campaign for me or something like that they're like email marketing like what are you talking about mm -hmm. you know and it's just like oh, it's like oh for god's sake you know it's just frustrating um it's like oh you know bring some cards in and we'll switch cards and it's like oh for god's sake like it's just you know it's all very old school and it can be frustrating when people don't have the same marketing know-how it can be difficult to kind of gel on that. For sure. And um, 
and this is true everywhere, you know, you have to, this is where 80, 20 comes in somewhat, you know, because like, let's say you identify, you know, half a dozen, six, seven, eight potential good collaborations that you might want to explore in your town, you know, two or three of them, you know, two, maybe max are going to be really good ones, you know, who are a bit more switched on. Uh, they're the ones that you're going to end up wanting to put your effort in to doing anything with. Um, and it's not, a, it's not a quick thing, you know, it's not a, it's not often, it's not an overnight thing. I mean, it can be, you know, if you go just going in and introducing yourself can be, um, that then, then they automatically know who you are. And if you have a niche, <laughs> if you have a specialization, um, you know, if you go in and you say, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a gun dog trainer or I'm a, whatever you might be, most of them, I'm, I'm, I specialize in puppies, you know, I specialize in whatever else that tells them that makes it easy for them to refer you, you know, because now when anybody comes in with a puppy, they won't just say, oh, you know, Nick, the dog trainer was in. They'll say, oh, you know, funny enough, I met a guy through the day, just set up around here. It's called Nick, specialised in puppies, you know. You make, so that's what, that's what a lot where, where like niching comes in and you put your message, you put your market and message into their mouth and then they tell all of their clients about it. And that, you know, that's what speeds up word of mouth. Well, I, this is, I'm just curious. Have you had, have you, I know you do a lot of offline stuff, but have you ever done stuff uh, like, uh, I guess it would like be considered cold, um, like sending out, uh, mailers and stuff like that. For example, I know someone with a van removals business and a massive source of their leads is they have a relationship with estate agents. The estate agents give them the data of all the people that are in certain areas that are moving house. And then they send out all of like, uh, it's actually very, I don't know if he's in Dan Kennedy, um, Dom, but it's very similar to the kind of stuff that you would do. Yeah, well, no doubt, yeah. Colored envelopes, all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff sent out to all of those addresses. And for me, it's like, I sometimes I get a little like frustrated because it's like, oh man, I wish I had that relationship with the vets and stuff like <laughs> that. But I've spoken to them before and it's like, oh, GDPR can't do that or whatever. Like, you know, I guess you need to write it into your policy. I don't know. Um, but have you ever had, have you ever done anything like that? Like, have you ever done any, uh, sending out stuff to potential clients for like, like oh. similar stuff yeah definitely yeah definitely yeah yeah i like to have um i like to have some kind of a connection with someone you know if i can even if it's a very loose one before i'll send anything to them but yeah i've done lots of cold stuff this is where kind of how do you get those leads so dom like for example he gets it from the estate agents but as a dog trainer how do i how do i know who's just bought a puppy well who who else would know that information apart from the vets? Anyone? I guess groomers, dog walkers. Uh huh. So part part of it comes back to the networking thing that we talked about. You know, just being positioning yourself as a, a person of influence. <laughs> We've both read the book, but it applies to small um, small niche local markets as well. You know, making yourself a person of influence, having all these. Um, it, that that was just one example we gave, wasn't it, of the pet store who. The guy, when you told him that you could be expert, he's going to tell them. Imagine if you had all of the biz, all of the businesses that were in any way related to dogs, or they were just dog friendly businesses as well. These get people in, you know. What about hairdressers? You know, forty percent, forty to fifty percent of all of the people in in the UK own a dog, so that means forty fifty percent of all the people going into hairdressers or pubs or yeah, you know, my barber or, is actually a pretty good source of referrals. Well, there we go then, you know. So, so how would it be if you if you would start 
start leaving some kind of a like a newsletter or something like that, you know, like a a, a fun, uh, informative uh, newsletter, entertaining, just a you know an A three piece of paper folded over. If you start to leave something like that in there, you know, then people are going to sit. They're going to they're going to the barber's going to talk about it. You know, it's like a a focal point. But a newsletter is a great way to if you can get addresses a newsletter is a great way to sneak up on people because it isn't salesy you know it's more informative people tend to read the news you know you've had plenty of my newsletters you know what it's like they um you know we've had a lot of people a lot of success with these things yeah and no, i was just curious about how that looks on the offline marketing stuff because of the whole gdpr stuff and just the industry's like lack of like knowledge on that front like i said yeah. with the estate agents they're all over it like that's they they have it all dialed in versus our industry it's like scary to us it's like oh you know i can't like i can't do i don't know how you know it's just it, it's not it's not dialed in in the same way um so i guess like you said you have to try and find ways around that with like maybe leave leaving newsletters out or um, events as well you know offering your time you know offering to go and do something for somebody you know, a vet or a groomer or a pet store or something like that, you know, that, that this is, it's a fantastic investment, you know, you, these, all these type of things that you, when you do stuff like this, you're learning as well, see, <laughs> you're going to get the opportunity to talk to people, find out actually what the problems are that people are suffering from. We all think we know, but you know, we, we could all benefit from doing a bit more kind of market research. Um, but yeah, events is another big one, you know, yeah, any we kind do of that. collaborative we, thing. Yeah, we collaborate with Forestry England, actually. And, and by the way, what? like if you're not in Bristol, <laughs> if you're not in Bristol and reach out to your local uh, Forestry England woods, because they're uh, I think they're they're quite keen for people to run recall workshops, stuff like that, because it's great for them as well with like just responsible dog ownership. Brilliant. There you go. There's another mm-hmm. example. All right, sweet. Let's wrap this up, Dom, shall we? And we can uh, have a little bit more of a chat afterwards. But like. It's a uh, where can people find out more about you? Because I think people are going to be desperate now to get get involved with this. Well, fingers crossed. Yeah, I hope it's. I hope we've added some value. I've certainly enjoyed talking to you as I always do, buddy. Uh, yeah, people can go to uh, well, where can they go? I have a a podcast. Is the Poodle to Pitbull Pet Business Podcast? Um, I have lots of books on Amazon. Um, the Ultimate Pet Business Plan. Walk yourself wealthy. Pet Business, Market and Magic. They're all under Dom Hodgson, Dominic Hodgson. Um, the website is probably a great place to go to find out more information. They can go, why don't we give a freebie away, Nick? Why don't we do a little I bit of a freebie, that. a free book or something like that, yeah? We'll give people a free copy of my audio book then. They can go to petbusinessmarketing.com forward slash dog talk, shall we do? Yeah, or, that forward slash, or forward slash Nick Benger. What would you prefer? You, you vain... <laughs> <laughs> Should we just do dog talk? We'll just do okay, dog talk. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> you know, you know that Dom knows about lead generation because how many other of my guests have a lead generation at the end of the podcast? Is <laughs> I can't, I can't think, of, I I can't think of one off the top of my head. But that's uh, very smart, and yeah, it's what everyone should be doing. Well, he practices what he preaches, doesn't he? Yeah. But, uh, but I mean, everyone's a winner here. You know, you're you're the guys who are listening get some value because I'm giving something free away. Um, and if they, if you know, nobody has to read it or listen to it. Um, but yeah, it's there. So petbusinessmarketing.com forward slash dog talk. And you will give you a free copy of the audio book. Um, you can check it out and you can decide if you, if you like me or not. And you, you want to find out more from there. 
Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Dom. And uh, really, really, yeah, love it as always. So uh, until the next time. See you soon, buddy. Well, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would take a minute to leave a review on whatever podcast app you listen to this on, whether that's Spotify, Apple, or any other podcast app, or just share this podcast with a friend or on Instagram or Facebook. That would really help more people to discover the podcast, and I would massively appreciate it. See you in the next episode.